Hello, and welcome to the first episode of Subverse Casts. Today we are going to be talking about a range of topics, starting with South Korea fires warning shots at Russian aircraft, the people of Puerto Rico calling for the governor's resignation, Facebook Libra not contacting Swiss regulators, Boris Johnson becoming prime minister in the UK, India launching a rocket heading to the moon, and YouTube banning instructional hacking videos. Before we get into today's topic, make sure you follow us on Minds at subverse.minds.com, where you can find our articles, exclusive content, and our distributed newsroom. Also, you can follow us on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, and Medium. Links are in the podcast description. Over the weekend, protesters converged in San Juan, donning Puerto Rican flags in one of the biggest protests ever seen in a U.S. territory. Protesters came together hoping to collectively force pressure on the island's governor, Ricardo Rossello, to resign from his office in light of the controversial messages that he posted to a group on the messaging app Telegram. The chat logs were released by Puerto Rico's Center for Investigative Journalism earlier this month. Telegram is an encrypted private chat application, which the Puerto Rican governor used to send messages mocking the island's inhabitants after Hurricane Maria almost two years ago. The messages were sent to a group of 11 members from his inner circle. This comes amid the U.S. territory attempting to recover from a 13-year-long recession, as well as restructuring after procuring close to $70 billion in debt. The demonstration in San Juan followed an announcement made by Governor Rossello, where he stepped down as leader of the island's Democratic Party. In the video, he stated he would not seek re-election, but he would not resign and finish out his term. The announcement was made in a four-minute-long Facebook video in which he also agreed with the right of the people to protest, and he said he is willing to confront impeachment. Impeachment proceedings have already begun in Puerto Rico's legislature. In the Facebook video, Rossello acknowledged making mistakes for which he has apologized in the past, but did not offer any new apologies about his comments. The announcement resulted in more anger from his critics, which further drove the mass response in the streets. Following the governor's announcement, protesters blocked the entrance of a government building in Guaynabo. And while the governor was able to escape, other lawmakers from his party were stranded. The protesters began to disperse after hours of riot police using crowd control devices such as tear gas and pepper spray. While the police have defended the crippled infrastructure and in government buildings across Puerto Rico, reports indicate that up to a million protesters may be expected in the streets across the island territory throughout the coming days. The choice for the governor to not step down was not only met with criticism from demonstrators, who have been protesting in the street for 11 consecutive days, but also with top government officials. One official, Geraldo Portela, who is principal investment officer, president of Puerto Rico's Economic Development Bank, and executive director of the Housing Finance Authority, submitted a resignation and spoke Sunday about Rosella's decision to not step down, stating, quote, Unfortunately, the events in the recent weeks, including the attitudes reflected in the comments of officials and advisors of the current administration, do not match my values and principles, end quote. The current demonstrations against Rosello could potentially damage the already fragile economy of the island, with the upheaval deterring at least four cruise liners from making berth over the weekend. Thousands gathered for another wave of protests dubbed the Marcha del Pueblo, or the People's March, where protesters are expected to virtually halt all activity in San Juan, as well as block main travel access through the Las Americas Expressway. Last month, Facebook announced its intention of releasing its own coin on the blockchain, along with a council of other companies. The response has been varied, with many voicing concern over the company's previous scandals relating to data privacy. 
The announcement of Libra included information that the conglomerate of companies involved will be meeting and running the coin out of Switzerland. However, Facebook has yet to contact Swiss regulators about registering the cryptocurrency project. Just last week, Calibra chief David Marcus vowed to work with lawmakers during his testimony in front of the Senate Banking Committee. The committee sought more information on how a privately owned currency could affect U.S. economics. During the hearing, Marcus said Calibra will be operating out of Switzerland, stating, quote, For the purpose of data and privacy protections, the Swiss Federal Data Protection and Information Commissioner will be the Libra Association's privacy regulator, end quote. The head of communications at the Swiss Federal Data Protection and Information Commissioner, or FDPIC, Hugo Weiler, told CNBC, quote, We have taken note of the statements made by David Marcus, chief of Calibra on our potential role as data protection supervisory authority in the Libra context. Until today, we have not been contacted by the promoters of Libra. Weiler added, quote, We expect Facebook or its promoters to provide us with concrete information when the time comes. Only then will we be able to examine the extent to which our legal advisory and supervisory competence is given. In any case, we are following the development of the project for public debate. While Facebook may not have made full contact with Swiss regulatory agencies, the country is seemingly far more attractive for companies looking to start cryptocurrencies. Switzerland's cryptocurrency laws have similarities to those in the U.S., but a far more welcoming attitude than the skepticism among U.S. lawmakers. In both countries, laws allow digital currencies and exchanges, protect citizens from illicit activities such as laundering and exploitation, utilize existing financial legislature in conjunction with cryptocurrencies, and are still open to finding the best way to regulate digital currency. However, Switzerland chooses to have flexibility in terms of governing new types of currency, attempting to take a far more case-by-case -case approach to how ICOs and cryptos are regulated. President Donald Trump used Twitter to speak about Bitcoin, taking a far more regulatory stance, stating, quote, I am not a fan of Bitcoin and other cryptocurrencies, which are not money and whose value is highly volatile and based on thin air. Unregulated crypto assets can facilitate unlawful behavior, including drug trade and other illegal activity. Similarly, Facebook Libra's virtual currency will have little standing or dependability. If Facebook and other companies want to become a bank, they must seek a new banking charter and become subject to all banking regulations, just like other banks. While Calibra will still have its share of obstacles when it comes to the volume of criticism it receives, the lack of contact with Swiss regulators may become another hurdle before Libra's launch in 2020. Earlier on July 23rd, South Korea reported that it fired a series of warning shots at Russian military aircraft that it claims violated its airspace in what is one of the first incidents of its kind between the two nations. This comes after a report that Chinese aircraft had entered South Korean air defense identification zone off its southern coastline earlier in the day. According to officials in Seoul, there were three Russian aircrafts that entered its airspace, including two Tu-95 bombers and an A-50 airborne early warning and control aircraft. The aircraft were initially picked up on South Korea's air defense identification zone along its eastern coastline, before the South Korean Defense Ministry stated that the A-50 aircraft entered its airspace. According to one ministry official, who requested to stay anonymous due to ministry rules, South Korean F-16s were quickly scrambled to the location and fired a total of 10 flares and 80 rounds from machine guns as warning shots in an attempt to deter the aircraft. The defense ministry stated that Russian aircraft proceeded to leave the area for a total of three minutes, but subsequently returned to South Korean airspace for an additional four minutes. 
South Korean fighter jets responded by firing 10 more flares and 280 rounds in addition to the first encroachment. The act comes as the first time that a foreign military aircraft has violated South Korean airspace since the end of the Korean War, according to South Korean officials. Chung Wee Yong of the National Security Office of South Korea responded to the encroachment on South Korean airspace to Nikolai Patrushev, the Secretary of the Security Council of Russia, by suggesting their council assess the incident, stating, quote, We take a very grave view of the situation, and if it is repeated, we will take even stronger action. The defense ministry responded to the situation by denying that South Korean jets fired any warning shots, but they did fly near Russian aircraft and performed, quote, unprofessional maneuvers in a threatening manner. The statement continued, adding, quote, If Russian pilots felt there was a security threat, they would have responded. This is not the first time that South Korean pilots tried to unsuccessfully prevent Russian aircraft from flying over neutral waters of the Sea of Japan. The Japanese have also responded to the incident in protest to what they say is a Russian violation of Japanese airspace and a South Korean violation for firing the warning shots. The island near where the incident took place are part of a Japanese claim, which they call Takashima, and the South Koreans call Dokdo. Quote, Takashima is Japan's territory, stated Foreign Minister Taro Kono, referring to the South Korean-held islands. The Chief Cabinet Secretary of Japan, Yoshihide Suga, said in a statement that South Korea's actions were, quote, absolutely unacceptable, given Japan's territorial claims on the islands. He also stated that Tokyo strictly objected to Russia and South Korea via separate diplomatic channels and strongly requested the prevention of such a recurrence. While the occurrence comes as a surprise to all involved, there's contention surrounding the territorial boundaries, what truly happened during the scenario, and what will happen next. Earlier this month, YouTube decided not to host instructional content for cybersecurity and how-to hacking videos on their ad-driven video platform. This move has been met with criticism by the InfoSec community, an industry that regularly practices sharing information on basic skills and the latest techniques for hacking and cyber defense. Although there are concerns raised over users learning ways to conduct malicious attacks, the educational aspect of the content also helps cybersecurity experts in understanding the angles hackers take in their attacks. YouTube recently updated their content policy to include instructional hacking and phishing content as harmful material, specifically by, quote, showing users how to bypass secure computer systems to steal user credentials and personal data. While YouTube does sometimes house hacking content that is specifically for nefarious purposes, there are channels specifically posting content known as ethical hacking, a term for probing for vulnerabilities in a professional manner to help ensure security. Noel Byte, a prominent ethical hacker on YouTube, received a strike on a video explaining vulnerabilities using a WPS pixie dust attack on Wi-Fi, which caused the content creator Cody Kinsey not being able to upload. The video was also removed from the platform. After members of the InfoSec community put pressure on YouTube, they've reversed the decision and restored his channel's full functionality. Kinsey took to Twitter where he thanked those who came in support of the ethical hack and content, stating, quote, Thank you to hundreds of angry nerds. YouTube has restored our videos, and our video on launching fireworks over Wi-Fi will be going up. I love this community. Thank you for supporting me, and stay tuned for more great stuff. YouTube claims that the removal of the video was actually a mistake, and the company has begun stating that their content policy has contained rules banning videos that encourage, quote, dangerous and illegal behavior, which also includes hacking since the beginning. A July 5th tweet from YouTube Insider stated, quote, our community guidelines have always had policies against videos that encourage dangerous or illegal activities, including those that instruct users on how to hack or fish others. This is not a new policy. 
There are exceptions for videos if the primary purpose is educational, documentary, scientific, or artistic. We enforce this new policy in the same way we do all our policies, and users can appeal if they feel a video has been removed mistakenly. Critics of the policy believe that ensuring ethical hacking instructional videos are accessible helps against the spread of malware and other nefarious hacks. Marcus Hutchins, also known as MalwareTech, a security expert who helped in thwarting WannaCry, a ransomware in 2017, spoke out against the banning of instructional hacking videos, stating, quote, one has to ask, where would we rather have kids learn about computer security? A site like YouTube, where security professionals will steer them in the direction of a legitimate job, six-figure salaries, and strong ethics? Or a shady forum, where they will not only be exposed to crime, but criminals who believe that what they are doing is both legal and ethical? YouTube's decision to remove instructional hacking content may seem like a step in the wrong direction, according to many in the InfoSec community, and they are yet to see the extent to which YouTube will go for moderating this type of content. India successfully launched their second lunar mission yesterday at Satish Dhawan Space Center in Sri Harikota at 2.43 p.m. local time. Their mission, Chandrayaan-2, which translates to Mooncraft in Sanskrit, will land on the moon using the Geosynchronous Satellite Launch Vehicle. The Indian Space Research Organization, ISRO, is led by Dr. Kail Asav Adivu, Sivan, who called the event a historical day for space and science and technology in India. The launch was originally scheduled for July 15th, but was delayed just before launch due to a technical snag. The mission cost over 10 billion rupees, nearly 145 million US dollars, and marks many firsts for the ISRO. The scientific goal of this mission is to further improve the understanding of the origin and evolution of the moon. The lunar lander will land at the moon's south pole, which is the first of any spacecraft. The south pole is believed to hold huge amounts of water ice on the floors of permanently shadowed craters. The spacecraft will also search for minerals on the moon and measure moonquakes. If they touch down successfully, they will join the United States, Soviet Union, and China to land a spacecraft on the moon. The mission is crewless, only consisting of an orbiter, lander, and rover. The orbiter will take images of the lunar surface for one year. The lander will analyze the lunar soil. The rover can travel half a kilometer from the lander and will send images and data to Earth for analysis. The 239,000-mile journey will take over six weeks compared to the Apollo 11 mission 50 years ago that took only four days. India doesn't have a rocket powerful enough to propel Chandrayaan-2 to the moon on a direct path, so the IRSO calculated a route using Earth's gravity to slingshot the spaceship to the moon in order to save fuel. According to the mission's schedule, Chandrayaan-2 will spend 23 days orbiting Earth, gradually rising its altitude on one side of an elliptical orbit around the planet. In mid-August, it will turn its sights on the moon by completing a series of maneuvers to leave Earth's orbit and begin circling the moon. According to the Hindustan Times, Chandrayaan-2 will spend less time orbiting the moon than previously planned in order to accommodate the launch delay. In the first week of September, the orbiter will release the Vikram lander. If the landing is successful, the lander will deploy a rover a few hours later. Dr. Savan states, quote, There will be 15 terrifying minutes for scientists once the lander is released and is hurled toward the south pole of the moon, unquote. He explains that those who had been controlling the spacecraft until then 
would have no role to play in those crucial moments. So the landing would happen only if all the systems performed as they should, otherwise the lander could crash into the lunar surface. When the Vikram lander reaches the moon's south pole, it will look at the water ice located in permanently shadowed craters that have been in the interest of scientists since its discovery in August of 2018. Many of the payloads on board the lander and rover are designed to map and analyze the ice. Dude, we're going to energize this country, Boris Johnson said to a room full of his peers at Westminster in his first speech as soon-to-be Prime Minister of the United Kingdom. Johnson was victorious over Jeremy Hunt receiving 66.4% of the vote of nearly 160,000 Conservative members. Johnson's slogan is Deliver Brexit, Unite the Country, and Defeat Jeremy Corbyn. But he added the E, stating, I know, I know, some wag has already pointed out that Deliver, Unite, and Defeat was not the perfect acronym for an election campaign, since unfortunately it spells dud. But they forgot the final E, my friends. E for energize. Jeremy Hunt supported his opponent's victory, telling CNN he will be a great PM. He's got optimism, enthusiasm, puts a smile on people's faces, and he has total unshakable confidence in our amazing country. However, not all conservatives are as supportive. Education Minister Annie Milton resigned 30 minutes before the result was announced, saying the UK must leave the EU in a responsible manner, referring to Johnson's willingness to have a no-deal Brexit. Milton isn't the only Conservative MP resigning over the selection of the new Prime Minister. CNBC reported that Finance Minister Philip Hammond said on July 21st that he would resign if Boris Johnson became Prime Minister because he could not support a leader happy to take the country out of the EU without a deal. Johnson has been a controversial figure in the UK for a while. He is widely known in the UK for his personal ambitions. Documentary filmmaker Michael Cockerell said in an interview with Clive Bull from Leading Britain's Conversation, when he was five, he told his sister Rachel that what he wanted to be in life was to be world king. He thought there was a position where you were king of the world. Before Johnson entered politics, he worked as a journalist for the Times of London, but was fired for fabricating a quote from his godfather, Colin Lucas. During his time as mayor of London in 2008 to 2016, Johnson garnered attention for making striking comments about world figures. In 2007, Johnson described Hillary Clinton saying, She's got dyed blonde hair and pouty lips and a steely blue stare, like a sadistic nurse in a mental hospital. These comments were intended to announce his support as he continued saying, For all who love America, it is time to think of supporting Hillary, not because we necessarily want her for herself, but because we want Bill in the role of first husband. As the foreign secretary in Theresa May's cabinet, Johnson responded to the U.S. President Donald Trump's call for total and complete shutdown of Muslims entering the United States, saying Trump was clearly out of his mind and stupefying ignorance for suggesting immigration had created no-go areas of London. I would invite him to come and see the whole of London, except that I wouldn't want to expose Londoners to any risk of meeting Donald Trump, he said. The only reason I wouldn't go to some parts of New York is the real risk of meeting Donald Trump. Despite these comments, President Trump has congratulated Johnson, tweeting, Congratulations to Boris Johnson on becoming the new Prime Minister of the United Kingdom. He will be great. Thanks for listening. If you want to find more content, head over to subverse.minds.com. 
to find articles, videos, and join our public newsroom, where you can discuss topics and ideas as well as share articles. Follow us on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, and Medium, where we regularly post our content and receive feedback from our valued listeners, like you. Our videos and articles can now be found in podcast form on Spotify, the Apple Store, Stitcher, and Anchor. If you'd like to support our work, you can donate to our PayPal, Patreon, or Subscribestar. You can also get Subverse gear at our Teespring shop. All the links are in the description. Stay tuned for more content every day, and we'll see you next time. Thank you.